Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Today's scripture is from the book of Joshua, chapter 4, verses 15 through 24. The Lord had said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up out of the riverbed, and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the twelve stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are only two lasting bequests that we can hope to give our children. One of these is roots, the other wings. There are several people who have been credited with coining this phrase. The earliest version folks can find comes from a book called Where Main Street Meets the River by newspaperman Hodding Carter. He says he picked up this lesson from a wise woman who was sharing about how to grow children to have confidence without arrogance. This rings true for us in the church. Through our stories, traditions, and relationships, we get to provide people with a sense of roots, a knowledge that we didn't make up this Christian faith, and in fact, it's forming us. We're not alone. We're firmly planted. We have good ground upon which we can stand roots. And then we get to provide wings. We have Bible stories about those who went off towards great adventures in the name of God and testimonies of the living saints that point us to the faithfulness of God as we send into mission and eternity. The month of May has a lot to do with these gifts. Throughout this month, we'll experience Mother's Day, graduation of sorts, Memorial Day. These are celebrations of growing deeply and sending out. So today, to begin we're looking at a great foundation, and that's wisdom. Now, what's the difference between intelligence and wisdom? I've heard a great colloquial explanation. Intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in the fruit salad. Wisdom isn't just knowing things. It's a moral knowledge. Wisdom is knowing the right and faithful course of action in a given situation and then having the strength of character to do it. You've met folks who are book smart but don't know one thing about integrity or follow through, honesty, and kindness. Wisdom is a stream in our lives that has a couple of different sources, but there is a primary source. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. Wisdom is God's gift of living out what is right. Wisdom is God's gift of living out what is right. 
There are usually all sorts of ways we receive wisdom this time of year. I'm not sure how we'll know what to do with our futures without the wisdom of some store-bought Mother's Day cards or intelligent graduation speeches. Daily coronavirus updates from officials who can summon cameras may be as close as we get for a while, but I'm not sure if those are more like greeting cards or graduation speeches or listening to Alexa read Surgeon General's warnings. There are all sorts of folks who are espousing their own version of wisdom about what we're supposed to do these days. Whether or not the input they offer turns out to be wisdom depends on the outcomes, and the stakes can be relatively high when we're talking about a lot of people's lives. I've rarely experienced the humility of not knowing a clear path forward as I have during this season, and it gives me pause and forces me into some time of reflection and a lot of prayer. And here's something I figured out. I can't know the right thing to do without God. I can't know the right thing to do without God. That doesn't mean that non-Christian people cannot make right choices. I'd argue that the right things any of us do, or the love that any of us show, has a source. And that source is the God of wisdom and love. But without even knowing it, the folks who do right are conveying the goodness of God. We read in Scripture how wisdom is God's gift. And in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then in James 1, 5, we're encouraged. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. So God is the source of wisdom. And if we acknowledge God, the Holy Spirit is willing to generously supply us more wisdom. How many of you have ever given a book as a gift? You've given a book and maybe to a friend or a family member. It's a nice gift. It's a wonderful thing to offer the gift of a book, right? But have you ever sat down with a kiddo in your lap and read a book or told a story before? We're still in the stage in our house where we have story time with our youngest every night and we're close together while we're reading books. There are often voices used to tell the story and there are questions that take us down some sometimes very odd paths. There's a connection through our shared experience of that story. Now both giving a book and reading a story are acts of kindness. Both convey information. What's the biggest difference between giving a book and reading a story? I think it's being close. It's relationship. It's intimacy. The same is true when we're receiving knowledge from God. We can get a moral knowledge without the relationship, but the relationship gives us something more to build upon. In Psalm 111, we read how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. This passage says, the fear of the Lord. Does that mean to be afraid? Some soften this term to mean reverence. We are to respect God. But I think if we truly stand in the presence of God, it should shake us at least a little bit. Some of you maybe have been on battleships or at least stood near them. Or maybe you've stood nearby during a rocket or a shuttle launch. And there's a sense of awe around those things because we understand our proximity to incredible power. And the God of the universe is grander still than all these man-made powers combined. And here's why that matters. Right now, that same young man to whom we get to read stories, he is still in a questioning stage. 
Some of it is him figuring stuff out or learning answers and patterns and things like that. It's all developmentally appropriate stuff. But I remember when he'd ask questions and challenge us on our answers. Again, it's developmentally appropriate, but maybe this stage you remember. It may be familiar to you too. For example, he would ask, what's for dinner? Chicken strips. It's not chicken strips. Okay. I'm not sure why we would lie about something like that or why you'd bother to ask if you knew better. That was developmentally appropriate for him at the stage. But do you notice that some of us seem to struggle with outgrowing that stage with God too? God, what should I do to deepen my faith life? Mission trips. It's not mission trips. We, we just have this resistance until we figure out that we don't have all the answers that maybe we lack some larger perspective, we'll operate with our cups already full of ourselves. And there's no room for God to pour in. But when we stand before an all-knowing God in humility and ask for the guidance to live faithfully, we're in a place to receive wisdom. That leads to our second lesson. Wisdom marks special moments and remembers. Wisdom marks special moments and remembers. We pick up on this morning's scripture. The Lord said to Joshua, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up to the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. And as soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came out of the riverbed and their feet were on the high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. And they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. We celebrate all sorts of anniversaries and milestones. Tomorrow, many people are going to celebrate Star Wars Day simply because somebody clever figured out years ago that May the 4th sounds like something that a Jedi would say. May the 4th be with you. There are days that are absolutely worth marking, worth celebrating or somehow acknowledging. We remember wedding days, graduation days, dates of the passing of loved ones. Even if it's just taking a moment to think about it, we mark those events. The church does that through the wisdom that we've inherited. We just recently came out of a season called Lent, and we remember Jesus' sacrifice because we need to remember what God has done through self-giving. We celebrate Easter because we remember and mark God's victory over the grave. We do things like pray in the pattern that Jesus taught because from one generation to the next, we pass on that pattern. We pass it on to the next generation. Sometimes it's through rituals and traditions. Sometimes it's through stories that get shared from one generation to the next. We do this to be reminded of what kind of God that we're dealing with. Are you experiencing some sort of relationship breakdown right now? Well, you're not alone. Scripture has all sorts of stories of reconciliation and forgiveness and rituals to remind us of that. Are you coping with sickness or death? Our Bible and our tradition pass down wisdom on how to find hope and healing in the midst of that. Are you experiencing awesome success at work or work from home? Our roots help us to know how we might give thanks for that and some of the pitfalls if we try to take all the credit. Is your cup overflowing? We've received wisdom that helps us to acknowledge God's goodness, to know that it's not just for us. And when the, we allow these moments to point us towards a powerful and faithful God, other, other people start to pick up on some wisdom too. That leads to our third lesson. 
It's everyone's job to pass wisdom on from generation to generation. It's everyone's job to pass wisdom on from generation to generation. Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? And then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and you might fear the Lord your God forever. I love the way that this is phrased. The language didn't have things like quotation marks. There's a pretty good chance that they're placed properly in the text as it's written, but Listen to how this is spoken. When the children asked, what does this marker mean? Tell them, the Lord dried up the river before your eyes so that you might fear the Lord forever. Maybe that was just Joshua telling the Israelites what they just saw, but maybe it's what they're supposed to say. I know you weren't there, but God did this for you. Just because you didn't see it doesn't mean you're not a part of it. This wasn't just our story. This is your story. You're a part of this. Wisdom lets the learner know you're a part of a larger story. You're a part of the big God story. It's not just about things that once happened or used to happen. Wisdom is about our role in what God is still doing and will keep doing until Jesus comes back. And so we do well to learn it and to live it and to pass it on or It will pass away. In Psalm 78, we read that we will not hide these truths from our children, but will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and the mighty miracles he did. For he issued his decree to Jacob. He gave his law to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, so the next generation might know them, even their children not yet born, so that they in turn might teach their children. So each generation can set its hope anew on God, remembering his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. One of the things I appreciate about what God is doing right now, we're figuring out that wisdom just doesn't come from one direction, from eldest to the youngest. I know many older folks have had to experience a little humility in this season to receive wisdom from younger people about how to connect to things like Facebook Live or Zoom meetings in order to be a part of a community of faith. And it does take humility. Refusing to learn or adapt right now is a choice to live in isolation. We may be required to reach out to others for some guidance. It's almost as though we need each other, isn't it? Because we do. We need each other because each of us has stories of God's faithfulness to share. It's our job to make sure that this wisdom doesn't cease because we received it but failed to share it. We're commanded to teach these stories and offer our testimonies so that many generations to come will know God's power and God's grace. And our children's children might remember and live in faith. As we share in a love feast today, we get to hear and understand what may be a very familiar story of God's redemption in a way that makes it our story. So the story is not just something that has happened. It's something that still happens right here and right now. Wisdom is passed on through some of our traditions, even traditions that we may have learned about just a month ago. So we're going to begin our love feast. Now I'll invite you to 
take a moment to make sure you've got something to eat, like bread or a cracker or something like that. This is not communion, but we can do some things that help our hearts to remember, and God will be present with us through this means of grace. So if you've got bread, cracker, donut, or something like that, that's what the Armstrong household chooses. You can have coffee or juice or water, whatever it is that you choose. We're going to celebrate this love feast today. We're going to begin and and share some thanks. And so we're going to begin with a prayer through song of thanksgiving. It's probably a familiar tune. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. Your creatures bless and grant that we may feast in fellowship with thee. Amen. Now I invite you to join together in our confession of sin and pardon. Almighty and all-loving God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, you have reconciled the world to yourself. Help to now be reconciled with one another so we can once again dwell in the warmth of your love. Inspire us with your Holy Spirit to put aside the covering of pride and put on Christ so that we would forgive and be forgiven. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We read in Scripture that if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we have received that gift of pardon. Now, I invite you, during the playing of the music, each person gets to take a turn to give thanks for something. And then they can eat and drink whatever it is that they happen to have handy. For my part, I am absolutely grateful for the health of this congregation right now. I understand that that's in relative terms, but given what could be, I am certainly thankful for your health, and that's something that I do not take for granted. I give thanks to God, and I will enjoy my love feast uh, donut here in a moment, but now it's your turn. Give thanks, take a moment to eat and drink in praise, and then we'll come back together with a song of thanksgiving.
Now, once again, we get to sing our thanks. This is to the tune of This Is My Father's World. Father of earth and heaven, your hungry children fed, your grace now to our spirits given is true immortal bread. Let us and all our race in Jesus Christ to prove the sweetness of your saving grace, your satisfying love. 